Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! Alright, so come on down to wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Hi friends, the world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. We are here. We've come to the end of the Polka Party album. Yes. We're what doing a, a live stream a charity been. thing right here. I mean, some magic is about to happen. I am so excited for this guest. This is a friend of yours. Yes. I think I've interviewed him once years ago, but I've been a longtime fan of his music. So this is very exciting uh, to have MC Frontalot jumping on here. To talk Yay. about Christmas at Ground Zero, a song that you asked to talk about specifically. Is there a reason why you chose this of all the Al, uh, Al songs? Who, me? Yeah, yes. you. <laughs> yeah, my, my seven other favorite ones were already taken by your <laughs> goddamn greedy-ass <laughs> podcast guests. This one, I it stuck with me all these years. Um, I also certainly, like all of them from that era, listened to it a lot. Uh, at a certain age, but uh, it would come around on MTV and remind me of itself every year <laughs> around Christmas time. Are you another one of the guests that uh, desperately wanted to talk about something on the first album that Matt and I foolishly were like, no one wants to talk about these songs? <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure what I what I would have picked, but I did throw a couple over. Probably I asked for Yoda, right? You did ask for Yoda, and of course... Our friend Brendan got Yoda. Um, he <laughs> claimed that early on, yes. Yeah, Matt chose nepotism on that one. I did. Always first in line, that guy. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's you know, save some space for the rest of us, Brendan. Well, I can tell you this. I have always loved this song, so I'm excited yeah. to talk about this. We have to talk about the Phil Spector of it all, right? Like, this is such a great send-up to the Phil Spector Christmas songs. Yeah, Phil Spector. I have never listened to that Phil Spector Christmas compilation record. There's, like, a specific record yeah right? i mean even if you haven't yeah. listened to it though you must know because there's so many like the most like 
Um, I must know the all the songs, right? Yeah, like, what yeah, are yeah. they? What are the songs on there? It's like the Ronettes doing Sleigh Ride, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's um, just all the Motown, a lot of the Motown Slay, what's, what song? What Christmas song is Sleigh Ride? Are these original? <laughs> these are all original songs. They're not standards. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, oh, jingling, yes. ting. Yeah, of okay. course you do. Thank you. Would you please use you singing that as the name of the song and not just the name of the useless um, to me? Yeah, no, the Phil Spector Christmas record is like, in so many ways, is like the definitive version of a lot of those uh, very, very classic Christmas songs. So even if you don't know that record, the odds of you, I mean, you've certainly heard on the radio those those renditions a million times. Uh, yeah. Any version of a Christmas song that sounds like Christmas at Ground Zero was from that Phil <laughs> Spector record, yeah, for pretty sure. Much, pretty yeah. much. That's the, uh, that's the main vibe. And <laughs> this is another one of those classic, I, I can't believe how many times we've talked about this story in the four albums that we've covered on this. But this yeah. was another, the Scotty brothers asking for something and Al giving the most fuck you punk rock response <laughs> imaginable to them. Um, so the Scotty brothers pitched him an idea of, hey, you should do a Christmas song because like Christmas records do really well and like they're kind of just a never ending money chain. And Al decided to write a cheery little Christmas song about death, destruction, and the end of the world, which the Scotty brothers were like, we can't put this out. (laughs) (laughs) I I was reading the, um, I don't, I don't have the depth of historical knowledge that you two must have, but I was reading the Wikipedia page about the song and there was sort of a reverse fuck you also, because once he gave it to them, they were like, oh man, tried to put it under the edge of the carpet, Yeah, would not make a video for it. And then, so he made his own video out of pocket, directed <laughs> yeah. it himself, his directorial debut. And then, uh, I don't know whether he just mailed it to MTV using his own stamps, or <laughs> once they saw it, they were like, well, we've I... never turned our nose up at a free video asset. We have spoken before on this show about it seems like a consistent thing for Al on his records that he has like one video with a real budget, and then the second video is very 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 cheap and and (laughs) this is the cheapest one by far i mean it's all stock footage except for one shot at the end of him with the carolers and gas masks which apparently he shot in the bronx because that was the most (laughs) destructive looking area they could find to to uh emulate ground zero well and the other thing that i think that the video works out best because it's so cheap oh the video and is really effective considering <laughs> like, considering what it is it's really effective it's and, much it's much like a, a video one would have to produce after society had collapsed <laughs> yeah. exactly the availability of uh production resources was slim exactly and the the gold mine of like can you imagine you're weird al yankovic you're sitting there, you're making this music video for Christmas at Ground Zero, which for historical noting, I threw this in here, that this is like two or three years after the day after plays and everyone is terrified of like nuclear mm. fallout. So it's it's a pretty hot topic at the time that he's doing this, right? To go through all this stock footage and you find that clip of Ronald Reagan... <laughs> saying oh well the big day is <laughs> finally oh near like you must have just been like whole video i've got every this is like the closest thing to like a 
legitimate political statement Al has ever made in the middle of a music video, I, I and I love it. I think that's why I think that's why I went to this one for my, yeah. My I, I was I had not seen this video in a long time, and when I rewatched it for this, and Reagan appeared with audio, I literally gasped. I couldn't believe <laughs> that he put that in this song. And I mean, of course, the song is gotta, full of all of this. Like, you know, it's it's a very, very political song for him. Um, but to add the audio to the video, I was like, wow, that's really for Al. That's very, very on the nose uh, political. These days, uh, you wouldn't, you know, blink an eye uh, no. if Trump or Biden or Obama or someone showed up in the middle of a music video. But then when Reagan was in office, like things like spitting image were scandalous. Like people would clutch totally. their pearls if you, uh, you know, <laughs> maligned the office of the presidency oh with some God. kind of satirical material on network television. Yeah. You know, like Saturday Night Live has always been allowed to do that. And I feel like record companies were very hands off with yeah. anything. Yeah. And it's another element. You know, we, we use this. Yeah, we use this term on the Girls Just Want to Have Lunch episode. Uh, uh, Levi gave it to us, but the uh, Al is a big fan of the malicious compliance. And this song is very much malicious compliance to the Christmas song and to the video. Even e- even to that, like them being like, well, we're not going to pay for a video. So he did it himself and gave them this. <laughs> and of course, it's this great feeling of like, well, we should probably use it because <laughs> it's a video that was given to us. I'm not sure that I believe, I think uh, to add another very thin layer of punk rockiness to yeah. it. I'm not sure that I believe all of those clips in the video are public domain. I mm. think that Clarabelle <laughs> the Clown clip, Yeah, I, th- I think somebody still maintains ownership over that IP in 1986. I think yeah, I, I was thinking th- that too. When you said it's other... all stock footage, I'm like, I don't know, there's some like Disney and Looney Tunes animation <laughs> clips that made their way into this as well. <laughs> It's true, and if Al was paying out of pocket, I can't imagine he was licensing. No, he definitely <laughs> grabbed all of that out of the 16 millimeter clip jar down at the branch library. I was right? going to say, yeah. I mean, also a good reminder of how that is a lot harder back then to do this than now, just going on YouTube and downloading footage and, and making a video together. This was still a good amount of effort from Al sure. to make this happen. This must have been important to him. Footage um, collection effort what is just like a concept effort. that doesn't exist anymore it's yeah, so true wow. and yeah this is definitely that. like watching the video now that's a good point to point because when i was watching this I was like i could assemble this this isn't that far off from like the bumpers that we play on this but you're right we have the aid of oh yeah YouTube. now it's so easy yeah. i can just be like oh yeah these are the clips i want i want to pull some footage from like old christmas movies and throw like a punk rock christmas cover over yeah. top of it and turn into a 30 second bumper no problem he had to go and track down as all of these clips and then you know this is when you're still editing with like film and a razor razor blades yeah exactly it together razor blade so i mean just talking about the song again for a moment i had this thought just as we were getting ready to start recording the the melody of this song in my mind is so completely Christmassy like it has all of the markers like the melody of the song is such a Christmas melody that for a moment I thought maybe he lifted this in some way or it was referencing something else but I don't think it is it's not he he handcrafted something for the American songbook I mean that's amazing (laughs) right there because it really feels like it, it feels so fundamental and I don't even know how to 
obviously the production of the song has the jingle bells and all this kind of stuff that feels very Christmassy. But I don't know how the melody of the song feels Christmassy to me. It's, what it, it's it's evocative of the have a have a hot jolly yeah, something yeah, yeah. Christmas whatever yeah. sort of Christmas you're meant sure. to have in that song. Uh, but it's not a lift, I wouldn't say. It's not a lift, no. And he is the sole credited writer of this track. Yeah, it's just amazing to me how much this just feels like it could have been a parody of an actual Christmas song, but is not. Um, once again, Al, the style parody, his ability to replicate an existing style is is stunning to a degree that I, I have to... I second guess myself hearing it. I'm like, wait a minute, is this actually referencing another thing that I'm forgetting? A big part of that has got to be... You know, like we said, with the, some of these Phil Spector Christmas songs are so embedded into our brains because they're inescapable yeah. on the radio at this time of the year. And a big element of that is, you know, you already mentioned the bells. The bells, like, kind of just coming in as, like, pseudo bell solos in the middle of the songs. But the big thing for me is that horn part that's playing in the background. The is air like raid such siren? A, well, no, not that. That I mean, that's a night, but just a bump, bump, bump. But a horn piece oh, that's playing in the oh, background the, the whole horn. time. <laughs> yeah. That is such that is such like a when I like you just play me that with no lyrics, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is probably like a nineteen sixties Christmas song. Like, yeah. like it just has that yeah. vibe to it right out the gate. Totally. This is uh probably one of the first Al songs to have a slight controversial radio band many years after the fact, but this was part of that almost bordering on hilarious. Uh, list of songs that we were not allowed to play on the radio following uh, September 11th. That list, if you look at the full list, is absolutely insane. Yeah, <laughs> with some of the stuff that gets included at the time, I get it. But yeah, this was. I do. I don't think you'll turn on the radio and hear uh, Weird Al's Christmas Out Ground Zero anymore. I don't think he plays it, or for a long time he didn't. He play did start. It. He did start playing it again uh, on the Vanity Tour. Yeah. Um, he stopped for a very, very long time. It's so interesting that Ground Zero has become synonymous with September 11th when it is just, in fact, a term for a, I guess it's a blast site or a, um, yeah. right? Isn't that the if, like the actual definition or am I oversimplifying it? Yeah, I think it's the same as like a patient zero, like where where the destruction took place. Yeah, like yeah. Where, it's, like the, the, it's the epicenter of, a, exactly. of the nuclear blast because exactly. nuclear blast is yeah. wide ranging. Right. So you need to pinpoint... As someone who literally, for research, watched the day after uh, to prepare for this Ooh. podcast. Did you wow. also watch Testament? <laughs> I did not. I didn't get around there, to that. I did watch. But, man, day after is wild. <laughs> like, Milligan, you're too young. There were competing. <laughs> there were two competing nuclear annihilation TV movie of the week event films <laughs> that the whole country was expected to watch. Day after won the wa- the ratings battle. Yeah. But at the time... It was like, you know, the cover of Newsweek's like, what will America watch while contemplating (laughs) their own mass mortality? My Mm. favorite thing about the day after is when you're doing research on it and there's like a quote from Reagan that's like, you know, when I watched that, I thought, man, this could be some serious stuff. And I'm like, that's what made you realize it could be some serious stuff. (laughs) And if we did not understand the dangers of having a TV president. Oh, boy. At that moment, then it was clear we would never learn as As a nation. At least we all learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. Yeah. We never, we never voted we never in a celebrity TV president again. <laughs> I wish we could skip the like, you know, TV phony personality smiling garbage 
person era of democracy and move into the just get the, like the professional wrestlers like in the like in the movie in like idiocracy in a, yeah, in a, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah just like shooting the machine gun in the air and you do like a couple of bumps and like tumble you off know, and, like go through a table or whatever yeah hit somebody with a chair and like that's the whole job Look, I, I will take the professional wrestler over the smiling TV guy any day. Because even Macho Man has that incredible, like, what is it, like a 40-second speech on Arsenio Hall. When, when Arsenio's like, but does the Macho Man cry? And he's like, part of being Macho is being able to cry. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's what I want. <laughs> like that. Uh. He's at least in touch with his emotions, <laughs> more so than like the frozen smiley face on television. Yeah. There was a review that I saw about this song because it, it was a pretty, even when people were absolutely dunking on polka party at its release, this was usually one of the like two songs that they'd be like, but this song was okay. I didn't. Um, I did not realize this record was not a hit. Like to ooh. me, in sixth grade, when this record came out, yeah, I like anything Weird Al did was literally the greatest new music available to humanity. And the idea that one could <laughs> prize some other album, like one of his, even above, yeah, the fifty percent mark, and this one below, like that was a foreign idea to me. Like the critics didn't like it. The public didn't like it. Is the that what happened? Kind of like both. The, yeah. The thing that's been the the weirdest thing to learn while uh, doing this podcast is, especially in the 80s, how many critics were like, ugh, but these originals. <laughs> like, And well, now yeah. I feel like those are the ones that people cling to with way more nostalgia. Case in point, uh, not to fanboy too much, but literally this morning I listened to your cover of Please Don't Wear These Shoes. I am. The diehard fans love the originals almost more than most of the parodies at this point. Yeah. Because there's there's something there's something super special about those originals. But at the time of the release, the critics were like, why is he wasting any energy writing original music? <laughs> this should just be a five-song parody EP. And, and like, Pol oh, how Polka quickly his career would have collapsed if he had followed that route. Polka Party's like half and half, yeah? It's yeah. about half the, and half. And we are saw the other albums? Yeah, is, that is that heavy on the originals? Or it's no? usually heavier on the originals than, than the parodies, ultimately. Yeah. It's really? usually, if it's not half and half, if it, if it ever does lean more into a higher percentage, it's usually a higher percentage of originals than parodies, ultimately. Mm. Which I think he said before is purely like uh, financial from his perspective. If the more originals on his record, the more money he's going to actually make from sales. Um, at a certain point, too many parodies, and it becomes really hard for him to, you know, start making money on his records. I mean, the polkas alone, I'm sure, like tank yeah. the overhead of those albums right out the gate. The polkas, he's paying, he's paying Fox Agency like compulsories on the cover right he doesn't have uh, to negotiate to be, a new title the way he does with the song parodies right he shouldn't have to but it is complicated because of the nature of like uh, to be honest we don't i don't know the exact ins and outs of how he licenses the polkas but because he's using such a small section and in some cases is changing the music underneath the original like he's using the lyric and the melody but he's mm -hmm. re recomposing he is credited as a writer in all of the polkas because of all the interstitial oh. stuff that he does so, so it is indeed like a split between all of these people. So maybe um, he's credited as a writer in a medley that credits the other well, writers and he's still so, not claiming yeah. a new title on any of that material. Basically, so yeah. if you look at every one of the polkas, um, it'll have a list of all of the artists and their copyrights. And then it will say the ear booger polka 
by Weird Al Yankovic, and he said that that literally covers any piece where he is not singing a lyric <laughs> written by somebody else as part yeah. of the ear booger poker by a Weird Al Yankovic. But yeah, the one review I wanted to call out, because I kind of agree with this, is the critic said, while Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer has gotten old, was old even decades ago, this musical dose of sick holiday humor has not lost its novelty one bit. Uh, and then in the book The Weird and Wonderful Christmas... Uh, the author Joey Green ranked this the weirdest Christmas song of all time, um, and I <laughs> or the I love weirdest, this. yeah, yeah, exactly. the, the the I mean, let's ask the age old question because it's going to be a while till we get there. I personally picked this over Santa Went Crazy as far as even just Weird Al Christmas songs. I was not familiar with Santa Went Crazy, and I gave it a spin last night, and I. I, that didn't it didn't appeal to me is he is that a style parody of like modern country it's not even i don't even know if that counts as a style parody of anything that might just be a, a true original of his um it's, the closest that you could say that's a style parody of is that the opening guitar riff is uh very similar to a combination of mama i'm coming home by ozzy and black gold by soul asylum but the rest Jesus. of it is wildly <laughs> original for him it's hmm. funny. I, I have to go back to it now. As a kid, and like when I was a kid, Baird Hair Day was my intro to Al record. Mm. So I loved the Night Santa Went Crazy. Like that was very that ranked very high for me. And I remember thinking it was funnier than this. But now looking back, I think this is a more a more impressive and actually just a more. This is like a satire and a really clever clever song in a way that that one is just like a goofy like. Uh, Al writing a horror movie into a song, basically, as he has done many times. I think they're both good. I might even like musically enjoy the other one a little bit more than this well, one. Well, this one's music kind of just, once you get it, it doesn't do anything interesting Because this that. is just, again, this is following yeah. a very sort of like traditional pattern. And it's great. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's super, super well done. But uh, um, the other one is uh, has some interesting musical moments by comparison. It always surprises me. Um, but yeah, I think this is probably if we're gonna pick one Al Christmas song to to uh, hold closest, <laughs> I think it probably is gonna be this one because um, it really is. And it's you know I also was just reading interesting like even when it came out, Scotty Brothers did push it to radio, and even before nine eleven, there were apparently a lot of radio stations who were not playing this song because they were yeah. like this is this is not comfortable. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, they saw the day after on TV, and they, they didn't. Yeah, it was just it. not what people. Was, uh, <clears throat> it's all it's all cozy and nostalgic now, but living in the second full <laughs> generation of like Cold War children, yeah, that was rough. Like yeah. every day, every day, you woke up knowing that you were as likely as not to perish in <sighs> nuclear fire along with everyone you love. <laughs> Everything you hold dear in the world, the world itself, as you know it, leaving only smoking poisonous rubble, <laughs> and maybe the few survivors who would envy the dead. This was your daily breakfast thought, <laughs> and also what kept you up shivering under the blanket as you fitfully and fruitlessly attempted to sleep. It fucking sucked. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that we sucked. don't live in fear of nuclear holocaust anymore. Matt, I think you said this the other day, but th it's almost frightening how this song is still at least a little bit relevant. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it doesn't. I, 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 I think, again, we can laugh at it more now than at the time. I mean, obviously, Al wrote this 
as a piece of comedy. He wanted people to laugh at it, even in this moment in time. But it is clear that he is like, I mean, this is, he is, uh, there's some real anger in this, uh, in this presentation. Um, and, and the laughs are like genuinely dark. Like it's, it's, it's the usual kind of light tonal treatment. But yeah, like the exactly. subject is so different than lunch and <laughs> he has some I mean like I'm looking at the lyrics like some really wonderful turns of phrase like I love that we can dodge debris while we trim the tree underneath <laughs> like, that the is, mushroom cloud underneath the mushroom cloud like I mean <laughs> it's it, amazing it, it, yeah it's amazing it is really really effective and it it just like inserts the horror is inserted just in the right spots even the li- the last line the like what a crazy fluke we're gonna get nuked on this jolly holiday like yeah. what a what a fucking dark weird line <laughs> to close your song yeah. on with the children's choir in the background and like it's just he does a great this song is uh, are we ready to rank this? Because I, I am, I think I, I'm ready to put this I, I higher than anyone close. should. Yeah, it, it, this is really like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny too. Because like listening to it again, I just like it's fun and happy. And just looking at the lyrics on my screen right now, like it is harrowing, truly. Um, I, I don't want to. I I don't know what how long ranking takes. Don't let me keep you from it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 but no, no I, we can knock that wanna, out in three minutes. <laughs> I don't want to underplay like how much nuclear fear pervaded all of American culture totally in like these last four years of the cold war here where this song comes from. Yeah. Like all pop culture in some like way was about how we are fucking doomed and violently and tragically. Yeah. And like a lot of pop songs would like be oblique about it. Like, you know, 2000, zero, zero, party over, oops, <laughs> out of time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll stop the world and melt with you, right? Like, these are mm-hmm. vague allusions to our, our mutual destruction. And actually singing about it, like, straight ahead, that was the realm of punk rockers. Totally. And Weird Al. Yeah. <laughs> Just further points to the... Weird Al's punk as fuck argument that we've been making on this podcast for from episode one. He is punk, um, and also another thing, just to to I think he does not get enough credit for the social commentary that he inserts into his music because um, he it's not all the time he will just Al will just sing a song about lunch, but he will also regularly really have something to say and do it through these, you know, like it, again, this is very outwardly political, especially with the Reagan line being dropped in there. But, um, if you really look at Al's lyrics and the sentiments he puts in his songs, it's not that surprising. Like his, his politics and his beliefs about the world are very much in there. If you're willing to look and give a listen to deep cuts, like, I guess this is a deep cut. I don't know. It was a single, it's a fan favorite more than a hit. Yeah. It's there you go. I'll tell you the one that uh, the one that surprised me a little by how overtly and specifically political it was in more recent years was Party in the CIA. Yes. Yeah. It's like, wow, you're talking about our nation's war crimes. Totally. <laughs> Party of the CIA a, is over a Doctor Luke jam. <laughs> <laughs> that was really really tough. And uh, coming up in a few years, he has the song Trigger Happy. Yeah. Which is really. I actually heard that he had been wanting, they had rehearsed that for the Vanity Tour, 
and right before the tour started, I don't even remember which one it was, there was another shooting, and he was like, I don't feel good about doing this. Well, because he even says in that Weird Al Seriously book, he talks about, like, the amount of people who came up to him and was like, I'm just so glad you wrote a song about guns, because, like, I love guns, and no one <laughs> writes songs about them. And he's like, are you not oh, getting God. that the lyrics are not about how great it is to walk around packing at all times? Like, Yeah. Never make I, anything for a general audience that uh, you hope they'll have to understand that's, before they talk I mean, to you about so it. That's so true. <laughs> that's People the fun who, who specialize in satire, it is a dangerous game. There was a line, I was listening to an episode of uh, the Gilmore Guys, and Kevin from the Gilmore Guys says like, I hate when my satire is interpreted as racism. <laughs> like it's like there is this yeah. weird there is this weird horrible line where it's like you are trying to be comedic and thought provoking but like someone somewhere is going to listen to it and just be like, "Oh, that's one of my guys." Like they're just like going to it's going to go right over their head and you've suddenly aligned yourself with the very people you're trying to to mock subtly. <laughs> Isn't it great? Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! Alright, so come on down to su- wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Hi friends, the world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. We ready to rank this, Matt? Yeah, I think so. How does the ranking work? What's uh, going on here? We're gonna we're gonna rank it for ourselves because we have a list. We're we're ranking parodies versus originals, all this stuff. But then you are gonna have something Two to lists. rank. MC There's front a lot, yes. many lists. <laughs> yeah, we actually have quite a few things. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple here. for this one. But Matt, I am I've I've picked my spot for this. Christmas okay. at Ground Zero is in my top ten right okay. now. I put it right between Checks in the Mail and Slime Creatures from Outer Space. Okay. Yeah. That's so, that's good. That's a very that's that's a solid ranking for for this song. I like it. Yeah. So the things I put above it thus far in his career: Checks in the Mail, One More Minute, Doggy Dog. This is the life, Nature Trail to Hell, and Dare to Be Stupid are the originals I've ranked above it. I'll I will always ap- admire your uh, affinity for 
the checks in the mail. That's that's just it's a great song. I'm gonna. I think I'm actually gonna put this in a very very similar spot to you. I'm gonna rank it fairly high as well, and I think I'm going to put it in between. Um, this is the life and Midnight Star. Okay, there we go. So you've got it uh, just below Midnight Star, Mr. Popeil, uh, I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead, Dog Eat Dog, Nature Trail to Hell, and Dare to Be Stupid. Where do we want to put the music video on our individual list? The music video. This is such a weird one to, to rank because I, I actually really think this is a very effective music video. Well, again, we were talking about like how cheaply made it was, but then I also feel like it's... Uh, it's not as it's harder to harder to have made than we're appreciating really i i got crazy i put it at my number two slot right below dare to be stupid wow i think it's dare to be stupid christmas at ground zero i put it above eat it above like a surgeon like above ricky my beloved ricky um i i think that the amount of work that was put into this and how effective it is for something that took only one shot of new footage is wildly impressing and uh, impressive and this should be taught in film classes <laughs> when they're doing their their music video session on like how to do a lot with with a little wow i'm i that's very impressive okay i don't i'm not gonna rank it that high but i'm gonna put it i'm gonna put it in between i'm gonna put it above this is the life and just below like a surgeon all right so that's not too bad you you put it above the other video that's made up of a lot of stock footage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, this is the life, the Johnny Dangerously <laughs> music video. And then the very last thing before we let Front a Lot do some rankings is where are you putting Polka Party ultimately on your weird albums list? Oh right, we have to rank the whole album. Oh my god, so much work. There were no like super giant hits that got parodied on this record. That was its problem. That was a huge strike. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest uh, parody on this record was. Living with a hernia. Yeah. Which, living in America, he didn't write that for Rocky 4 or 3 or whatever, did he? Oh, I think he did. I think Is he that did. Well, actually, James Brown didn't write that song. That was, was um, written for him uh, by someone else, yeah. So that's yeah. two movie soundtrack minor hits that got parodied on the same record? There was a lot he of- He was um, really playing with fire. Almost the entire- Polka Party album is movie soundtrack songs, with the exception of Addicted to Spuds, because um, he thought, oh, well, this Ruthless People movie will probably take off, so It'll he did huge. a parody of that with Toothless People, <laughs> and uh, I forget what the other one, oh, Here's Johnny. He thought the song Here's, Here's Johnny. Johnny. That's another one. Good <laughs> Lord. These are all... <laughs> this is part but of why this to... record is kind of forgotten for him, is because he did all these parodies of stuff that did not really hold up, like Addicted so many of his Addicted to Spuds do. was... I mean, addicted to love was big. Was that yeah. addicted that was, to love is the huge. one that has held the, the held you know but stood the test like of no, time the best. No video Com- and no radio signal. Yeah, Living Simple in America is written by Dan Hartman, by the way. Interesting. Oh, there we go. Fun <laughs> fact uh, that was James Brown was I think at that point <laughs> having a tough time, so they were starting to give him stuff to do. I mean, um, let him rest. The, he'd yeah. written a lot of oh, songs. Oh, no, he's, uh, there's no... 32,000 No shade to James Brown. <laughs> yeah, this hack James Brown not writing yeah, his this song guy, for Rocky Can you believe <laughs> overrated? Pick uh, up a pen! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm putting Polka Party at the bottom for now. And that is the main thing I'm going to stress on this, is that... Yeah, I think I have to as well. I think I have to put this at the ranking the lowest of the four, but I, I do think this record is... 
considering it's, you know, front, we said in a previous episode, Al has publicly stated that he thinks Polka Party is his worst album of his whole mm. career. Well, then and you I won't disagree. offend him with your current rankings. Yeah, boys. exactly. But, but I, I, I think it's underrated, honestly, in the grand scheme of his stuff. I think the originals on this record especially are, are quite good. Um, Dog Eat Dog is like top tier original Al. Um, we talked about uh, Good Enough For Now is really good. Um, uh, this is is great. Uh, don't wear yeah. those shoes is on this as well. Like, please don't wear those shoes is from this one. So don't wear those shoes. That's is good. another of my all, favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all of the originals are great on this. It's yeah, just, and I think the parodies uh, in most cases are just unfortunately poor choices. Yeah, not that they're even bad. They're just they just don't hit the way that a lot of his parodies do still because he picked songs that have uh, stuck with us so well. Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing that we have to do is front. You get to do some rankings. So All right. the way our crazy show works <laughs> is every single time that we have a guest on the show, they can rank their song amongst all of the other songs that guests have come on to discuss. I As believe though your guests share a hive taste. Hive taste. I think Matt sent you a screenshot of the rankings, but for the people listening, I will tell them real quick. At number one, we've got One More Minute. At number two, we've got Yoda. At three, we've got Good Enough For Now. At four, we've got Living With A Hernia. Five, we've got Like A Surgeon. Six, we've got uh, Hooked On Polkas. Seven, we've got Nature Trail To Hell. Eight, we have Eat It. Nine, we have I Lost On Jeopardy. 10, we have The King of Suede. 11, we have Don't Wear Those Shoes. 12, we have It's Still Billy Joel To Me. 13, we have Slime Creatures From Outer Space. And at 14, we have Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. So front, you get to do two things. First, you get to place Christmas at Ground Zero wherever you want. And then you can take any song on that list and re-rank it to where you think it deserves to be. Mm, tricky. All right. Yeah. Why doesn't everyone just put their episode's song first in the hopes that the the archive audience will then go and view so, them. Some that have, often happens, but every once in a while, someone will just be really honest and put their song that they picked and love. Like they're like, "Well, it's definitely not better than I Lost on Jeopardy," so they'll put it down below. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna take "Living with a Hernia" and skip that down under "Slime Creatures." Yeah. Okay, under slime creatures. And where are you putting the Christmas at ground zero? After like a surgeon. So it's in the four oh. new four position. <laughs> so one more minute, Yoda, good enough for now. Christmas at ground zero. Yep. I love it. All right. It's in there. It's locked in for that's a, for that's a very respectable. Time. And I agree with you, Bumpy. I don't know why living with a hernia was that high for that long. That is that's not, confusing. It's nice that it has that the whole thing is like a meta joke about how <laughs> About the famous trademark singing of James Brown, right? Yes. He sounds like something just really, really hurt his back. Exactly. I'll have to figure out what happened when we were, when I start editing the Polka Party episodes, I, I will figure out what happened. But I'm pretty sure that our guest who did that episode put it at the bottom of the list. So someone moved it higher up on It was a rescue. End. I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds it's like right. like getting I, a dog from the pound. Because I remember that was like our favorite thing was that he was like, yeah, put it at the bottom. Yeah, Where I, I was, yeah. I like the honesty of, of <laughs> someone putting their pick way at the bottom. Um, All right. Hey, for the live viewers here, can I plug something real quick? Of course I was you can. literally just about to say, hey, let's do some quick plugs before the next segment. <laughs> I and some of my nerdcore pals, uh, MC Lars, Mega Ran, and Schaefer the Dark Lord, we have one of our 
famous streaming concerts um, that we do a few of every year. It's our Boxing Day, our third annual Boxing Day show. So it's on December 26th. Tickets start at five bucks, but if you want, you can spend five thousand dollars on the tickets. All these different kinds of tickets. They got VIP shit. You get like a free T-shirt, or uh, we'll write a song about your mom. Whatever you want. <laughs> Read the ticket link lists. All the things. VIP tiers. That's a. I'm not. I don't have ad copy, so no, that's bad great. at freestyling. Apparently, four. The number four. I'd four e y e d dot square dot site that's where the tickets are and we are the four-eyed horsemen collectively. i love yeah. it as it's someone who has purchased a ticket to one of their mm-hmm. events before i can vouch for the fact that they put on a spectacular live stream show it is absolutely fantastic and it's probably gotten way better since i even last saw one it's been a minute, who knows so. It or maybe knows. it's gotten worse. It's possible you guys have gotten lazier. I can't rule out the possibility that Our you guys have started guest is to slack Oh off. my, this time. Oh my is opening the show. It's going to be a good one. Well, and people stay tuned because we will have during this live stream uh, a live set from both Mega Ran and Lex the Lexicon artist will be dropping on uh, this 24 hour live stream event that we've got going today. Wow. Uh, so all making sure that the uh, the 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 underrated genre of nerdcore is properly represented here at Geekscape, as always. Thank you so much, Front, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books. Think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to. Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.